Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. Uh, I, I went out this week after work one day. Well, that sounds like I went out right after work. I, I went home, put my kids to bed, and then I uh, met a friend out. And one of the things that we were talking about was just that, that, you know, that that work was going to be tough. And he kind of had this idea. I was like, no, you can find your, it's like, then, then, then he's a believer too. I was like, if that's true, then Genesis three is a lie. You know, God promised to be tough. Not that you can't enjoy it. You know, I enjoy being a father. It is tough sometimes. Let me tell you the toughest. Well, I won't say this. One of the toughest times for me right now is, uh, when a particular football team is playing on TV and it's during the daytime. When all the kids are awake and they are, and you're like, man, come on, I, I want 12 a year, guys. That's all I'm asking for. Maybe 15, you know. That's tough, right? <laughs> That's one of the sillier, sillier examples. But, but I love being a dad, but it is tough. I love being a husband. It's tough. I love working. I mean, I've worked most of my life in churches, and now in the last three or four years I've gone outside of church and I'm also working outside and I enjoy that too. I enjoy working inside. But even when I was working full time in churches, never one. In fact, that was probably the hardest it ever was. When I'm on business, sometimes it's easier than out working inside of churches. And I always, as a kid thought that would be the exact opposite. Um, so work is tough and God has promised us that. And as we work at things, and as we look at that Genesis story, though, even though God promised us that, God made Adam and Eve to worship him before the fall. In their work, it was worshiping God. It was this idea of worshiping God through obedience, this idea of worshiping God through just spending time and in his presence. How amazing was that, that they just are in the garden and God's walking through. And I don't think that was lost on them either. You, you never see a, a time, and it was very brief as far as what we're, what we're exposed to. Really, it could have been much longer. It's never as far as what we're exposed to just in Scripture. It seems really brief. But there was never a moment where they weren't in awe of God. And that's um, shown to us in the way that they hid from God when they knew that they had messed up. Because if they weren't in awe of who God was, there's no need to hide at that moment. That in itself was an act of worship. That was an act of giving worth to God. Like you're, like I know I've messed up against the Creator of my of me, and I gotta hide because He's that big and that worthy and that. And they understood that, and even that itself was an act of worship. Not the fall, okay? Don't hear me wrong, but just the fact they were they knew who God was and they were needing to hide from Him was an act of giving worth to God, saying you are so big and we are in so much trouble, right? And so as we look at worship, one of the reasons is important is because it's what we are made to do. But another reason that it's important is because over the years, and as centuries have gone on and millennia have gone on, 
we have bought into a lie, especially as it comes to a culmination and maybe not a culmination because who knows how much further it goes. But in 2019, it's peaked to this idea that we bought in, in a lot of ways, this is not a wholesale uh, statement about every single individual in this building or outside this building, but on a wholesale level of society, we bought into the fact that worship is the songs. And, and worship absolutely is song. I mean, we do worship God through singing. That is not the whole experience of worship. And when we make it the whole experience of worship, then our idea of worship and how we have performed rises and falls on how we performed, which absolutely has nothing to do with God at that point. It has to do with how we performed. And if you have an expanded view and you have this view that worship actually is how I serve and how I pray, and how and, and all that is true too, and we've talked about that. How I trust and how I come to God even when I doubt. We have to be careful not to make it about how good or bad we do on those things, which is why we talk about worshiping God through doubt. Because if we don't ever want, I don't ever want anyone to think that if you doubt God, now you're less than. How many Psalms? And you guys know this, right? How many Psalms does David start out? How long, oh God, are you going to let this happen? And we, we pray that prayer, sometimes that doubt creeps in that God's not good. Or, that, or maybe that God is good, but he just doesn't love me. Maybe I haven't been good. And then we get on this barter system with God of our goodness or our standing with God rises and falls on how we do, not on God's grace and mercy. And that's not to say that sin is not sin and that we should not engage in it and that we should strive because Jesus absolutely said, uh, it says absolutely in Scripture, Peter says it, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we should strive for that. In fact, the Scripture we're going to read in Matthew today, Jesus absolutely tells us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. So it's not to say that we're that that sin is okay, but it's also not to say that it rises and falls on what we do. If it rises and falls on what we do, then every day we should be fearful. Because every day we do good things. Well, hopefully. Every single day I know we do things that aren't right. And worship is this idea that God is this unbelievable being that has created us and given us so many good things. He's given us each other. He's given us nature. He's given us rain so that maybe my grass will actually get healthy before it goes dormant this year. He's given us the sunshine. He's given us the seasons. And this morning we're going to talk about how in the world God expects us God encourages us to come to worship with him even in the midst of the trouble. And so, before we go too much further, let's open up Matthew 6. I don't know why I use that because that was not on Matthew 6. Matthew 6, pretty familiar passage to a lot of folks. Maybe not everybody, but to a lot of folks. And it's... And it starts out with Jesus saying this. This is right kind of in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. So we read it just a couple of months ago. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Easy for you to say, right? 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not, excuse me, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Is that, a, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. God, as we read your scripture, as we open it up, as we seek to even grasp a piece of what it's like to not worry. God, would you illuminate our hearts with your truth this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Let me briefly tell you guys how my week has gone as it's come time to open up this text. It's been full of worry. It's been full of anxiety. Uh, it's been full of like worrying about tomorrow. I got notice this week that the building that my office is currently in is going to be torn down. That's been kind of hinted at for a while. You may have seen that on the news. Uh, some of you guys brought it up to me before, so some of you know have known about it. And you say, hey, you've known it for a while. Yeah, yeah. But we never knew for sure. And they came to us on Monday and said, hey, uh, yeah, we're going to tear it down. you got to be out in 90 days. 90 days, you got to find a new place. you got to move everything. you got to have it fit to your standards. That's stressful. <laughs> While you're also trying to do other things. It's like, what in the world? And then on top of that, this is the kind of was the kicker for me. On top of that, you're going to have to get into a new lease and, you know, pay them because you got to move in and whatever. But you're also going to have to keep paying us all the way up until the day you move out. I was like, are you kidding me? So, worry just crept in. It's funny. I didn't tell her this. Uh, now we got like almost a week removed, so I'll, I'll say it now. But Monday when I heard the news, I, I didn't really, it's kind of like, oh, man, it's going to be inconvenient. But I really didn't worry a whole lot. And then... Um, I'm at Boy Scouts with Jude uh, because I, uh, I had the call come in while I was driving to Boy Scouts. So I am get, get there and text Natalie and tell her what's going on. And, uh, of course, she wasn't completely blown away either. Uh, and at that point, we didn't know a time frame or anything. Uh, we just knew it was happening. And <laughs> she said something about all the stuff that had to happen. And I didn't really think of all that at that point. And then it kicked in. I'm like... Oh, man, I wish <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that, right? And all the, all the while, every day, I'm opening up Matthew 6 and Hebrews 11 and reading this text. And that 
has not been easy. So let me, as we start out, let me just confess to you that I have struggled with this this week. And so I don't bring this in any sort of way of saying I've perfected this. In fact, I looked around to see, like, maybe I can do something different this week. And a couple weeks when this thing goes away, then we'll bring it up. Um, but so this is, but this is where we're at. And so Jesus' words speak true to me, just like hopefully they do to you this morning. Um, and the first thing that Jesus brings up is he's telling his disciples this and all the people who are listening in the midst of this, they've sat down, he's gone through the Beatitudes, he's gone through all this. You've heard it said this, but I'm telling you this, he's gone through how to pray, he's gone through how to fast. And then he gets this part and he just says, don't, don't worry about your life. And for a community like that, some of the wealthy, because a lot of them lived day to day. Some of the wealthier ones did not, but the followers of Jesus were a mixed bag. Some of them were wealthy and had plenty stored away, and a lot of them didn't. A lot of them were day workers. A lot of them lived day to day. Even agriculturally, there was never a time to stop if you're living off the land. You can't just, you know, plant and harvest one time a year. You've got to have multiple streams coming in or agreements with people who have stuff coming in at different times of year so everybody's able to sustain themselves. But there's never a time to not work, right? There's never a time to not go. And if things, you got a drought. Or uh, does anybody read the article this week about the potato farmers that were helping each other out in, like, I'm going to say Idaho. It's probably not Idaho. I'm just saying that because that's where potatoes come from. Uh, but somewhere out there, you know, they had all this, they were having a huge deep freeze and they were going to lose all these potatoes and all these farmers are trying to help each other because they're, they're about to lose them all. It's this idea that if something like that happens, it could ruin you for, for a while. Um, because of the drought, my father-in-law who has, uh, cattle farms and sells hay as part of his living, weren't able to do with that what they wanted to normally do with the hay because of the drought that they've had. They didn't really have enough uh, for his own cattle, much less to sell. And so that can really strain things. And so Jesus is speaking this into a society that is very much living somewhat day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. And he's telling them, don't worry about your life. And that sounds completely impossible. How in the world am I going to live my life without worrying about it? And let me just tell you, that is impossible. That's why we need Jesus in that, right? It's like the eye of the camel going through the eye of the needle text where Jesus says, this is impossible, you're right. But with God, all things are possible. It is impossible to live our lives without any sort of worry. But with God, it is possible And Jesus starts out and says, don't worry about your life. What you eat or drink or your body or what you wear is not life more than food and body more than drink. Or is that what it says? Uh, body more than clothes. Sorry. And then he tells them, look at the birds of the air. They don't worry about anything. And God's got them covered. He never walked by a sparrow, right? And said, Man, that guy's really struggling today. Uh, and we know that. I mean, it's humorous. I mean, it's kind of Jesus bringing that out. He's like, yeah, you know these guys. They just, they just fly around. They just find what they need. God provides it. The worm, the bug, the grubs, whatever it is they're eating. 
the stuff to make their house, God provides it for them. You don't got to worry about it. They don't have to worry about it. And then Jesus, in the midst of that, brings in this value statement to the people. The writer of Matthew did not say, their Heavenly Father feeds them. He says, your Heavenly Father feeds them. It's almost as if to say, Jesus, God is not in this. It's almost as if Jesus was saying, God's not in this father relationship with the birds. He is in a creator relationship with the birds, but not this intimate parent to child relationship. And yet he cares for them. He's not even their father and he cares for them. What's the implication there, right? That God is your father. How much more valuable to your father are they? Are you, sorry. Right? We have lots of stuff. I have lots of stuff at my house. God's blessed me and I have too much stuff. In fact, I complain to my wife quite frequently. We need to get rid of some of this stuff. You may have had that similar conversation in your household. And I, and I care about that stuff. It's not like I'm just going to throw it out on the road. I keep, try to keep it nice, try to keep it neat. I care about that stuff. I take care of it. My plants don't have to worry about getting, well, at our house, plants do have to worry about getting water. Our house is a place where plants come to die. So if you have any that need a hospice care, we will help you out. Uh, but they don't need stuff. The tables don't need, don't have to worry about if they're going to be clean and the floors and all and the bathrooms and all this stuff. I don't have to worry about that. We're going to take care of it. I care about my kids way more than any of that stuff. And that's what Jesus is saying. Like, God is taking care of this stuff. And he's not even in a father relationship with them. How much more is he going to care about you who he is in a father relationship with? Part of our not worrying has to be that we see the value in who we are. And if I'm honest with myself or with anybody else, and when I do worry, a lot of times I feel like that I'm not that valuable. And maybe God cares about some other people more, right? We can buy into that lie that the people whose lives are going good God cares about more. And then we get into this kind of barter system with God. Hey, God, I will actually do better if you give me this. And sometimes when we don't, the anxiety kind of rises up. I'm like, yeah, I deserve what I'm getting right now. Or sometimes it's the exact opposite. Sometimes we get really mad at God. So, God, I'm not, I haven't done anything wrong. Like, like Job's friends, right, from last week. I haven't done anything wrong. Why in the world are you letting this happen? We're like the disciples who, who met the blind man. And they asked Jesus the question. They said, who messed up here, God? Him or his parents? Because obviously you're in a one-on-one relationship here, and it's going to correlate exactly with actions. Without ever thinking of the fact that the fall has happened, evil is in the world, the troubles come. 
that's where math, that's where reading text, I don't, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of like just reading one scripture or couple a little bit of scripture and then like moving on the next week i like to read big chunks of scripture generally speaking that's where matthew 7 comes into play that's where matthew 7 is helpful for matthew 6 because at the very end of matthew 7 jesus said this therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came the streams rose the winds blew and beat against that house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus comes into this text, having just told us not to worry, and basically tells us a little bit of truth here. And, and we have to acknowledge that sometimes when we read this, and even you may have even heard it this way, I'm just going to confess, I don't remember, I may have even preached it this way at some point when I was younger. You know, sometimes we get text and I'm like, yeah, so the winds came and this house is up on this foundation, so it's not, the rain's not getting to it, and the wind's not getting to it, none of us hurting this stuff because they built their house on the right foundation. And that's not at all what Jesus said. The rains came on both houses. The winds blew on both houses. The waves crashed on both houses. It was the foundation that destroyed one and kept the other one firm. Jesus did not promise us a crisis-free life. He did promise us a crisis-proof life. And so we go back to chapter 6, and it makes a little more sense. Don't worry. You build your house on the right foundation. Yeah, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be there. Jesus, Jesus actually, in John 17, was a lot more... <laughs> it's a lot more scary. He told his disciples, you're going you're gonna to get beaten. It's, it's not going to be good. But you got something coming that I promised you. And it's going to be worth it. Jesus builds value statements into that again. He doesn't promise that you're not going to have the the rain, the winds, the waves. He promises that they're not going to destroy you. And so he says, so when you're dealing with this, what do you do with the worry? Well, Matthew, going back to Matthew 6, he tells us it doesn't work, right? So think about this. Who of you have added a single minute or hour to your life, have improved your life in any way by worrying? Now, I don't know if Jesus asked for a show of hands. If anybody in here has helped their life out by worrying, if you wouldn't mind showing me your hands, I'd appreciate that because I need some advice. Okay? All right. I didn't think so. In fact, science has told us it actually does the exact opposite for our lives. Actually, stress and worry can actually reduce the quality of your life, and even the longevity of your life. And Jesus brings it out and says, what good's it going to do anyway? That's not to say you can't work and you can't strive to, to do. It's not to say God can't give you wisdom on things not to do, right? 
It's not to say that you can't see the warning sign, hey, a cliff ahead, and you just keep driving right off the cliff and then complain that your car's wrecked. But it is to say that even with all your working and striving and planning, things are going to go wrong. Things are going to not go your way. And Jesus reminds us that's not what it's for. Life isn't so that you can live a good life. Life is actually so that I can live my life through you. Sometimes in the midst of doing that, we have to open our eyes. Sometimes in the midst of doing things and working and seeing them not go our way, we have to open our eyes to God's hand at work. Because a lot of times our eyes are open to our own comfort. I know mine are. So if I'm not comfortable, obviously something's not right. And sometimes it's just that's how God is choosing to work right now. That God, Scripture promises, works all things to the good of Him, those who love Him. And so even in the midst of that trouble, it can be, God can work it for good. And is that our striving or is our striving comfort? If our striving to see God's hand at work, then that does help take the worry away. If our striving is for us to be completely comfortable all the time, then worry gets in there pretty good. It can grab a hold of you. It doesn't let you go sometimes when you got anxiety and you can't shake it. And so Jesus doesn't leave us in the midst of that, just giving us this, hey, sorry, guys, it's a bummer. You're going to have to deal with it and not worry. Jesus actually gives us some instructions there at the end of that. The last verses of that. Jesus says this. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus promises each day's got enough trouble. It's already full. Tomorrow's, today's trouble, you already got it, right? You, it may not have got to you yet, but it's as much as you can take today. So don't try to add on tomorrow's and yesterday's to it. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. God's invitation is for us to seek first him and I can promise you this when I have the, the lucid thoughts in my mind to seek God first and God what are you trying to tell me what are you saying how can I serve you how can, then I don't worry about all this other things I've, I've felt the peace come in my life sometimes I'm like oh I'm not worrying that should, that's wrong maybe I should start worrying again Anybody, I'm seeing some heads nodding some laughter you've been there before maybe like, oh, man, i got to think about this again because I'm not worrying. And I think if I'm not worrying, then I'm not going to do the right thing. And God says, no, don't, don't do that. Seek me first. Seek my righteousness first. 
Seek to live your life in such a way that it is right before all mankind. You seek that first. You spend your time doing that. Then you're not worrying on things. We have a couple of college professors in the, in the room. I remember when I, my professors used to give me the syllabus at the beginning of the semester. And it was usually, you know, sometimes the, at least a portion of the first class was generally spent going over the syllabus. When I was, uh, when I was getting my graduate degree, uh, my classes were like in three-hour blocks. And so I'd be there from like six to nine one night. But generally on the first day of the first semester or maybe at the very end of the first day, sometime there would generally be a 20, 30-minute block where the professors just went over the syllabus. Hey, here's everything to expect. This is all you got to, this is all you have to do. And it would be like, and I remember I'd start writing in my, you know, my um, calendar. All of them, and it would just be overwhelming. I got to read all this by then. I got to write these papers by this time. I have a final exam here. I have a project here. It's like, Holy cow! What in the world? Maybe nobody else felt that, but I would feel that anxiety just looking at that, saying, "Oh my goodness, I don't." We should have started this class three months ago. <laughs> and then you remember, okay, if you do a little by little every day or every week, there's enough time to get it all done. It's not all due today. God doesn't give us a syllabus, right? And say, here's everything that's going to happen to you in 2019. Some of us would have dropped the class. We would have just dropped out of 2019 and gone on to a different one. If God said, here's everything you're going to deal with this year. She just said, I'm just going to give it to you day by day. And I'm going to be enough to help you out. To help you get to the next day. And that's all you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about anything else. You just got to get through the day. And guess what? You can't even do that on your own. So I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be with you. You're going to get to come down daily if you want. And take bread. And take the wine or the juice like we use. And remember that I'm there with you. I've already accomplished everything you need to accomplish to make it to the end. All you got to do is trust in me. So don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, what you, or your clothes, what you're going to wear. Who's he speaking that to? The, 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 the Jewish community, right? What does the Jewish community already know from their history? What did Jesus do in the wilderness? Provided food every day. Just appeared on the ground. Food, manna. I'd have preferred pizza, whatever. They never, you never hear stories of their clothes wearing out. In fact, we're told their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. I don't know if they traded every couple days because they got tired of wearing the same thing. They wanted something different. But however it happened, like there's nothing wore out. And they have this in their history and they know it. And I don't know your history, but I can tell you mine. Now, I've never eaten bread off of, well, I've never eaten bread that just appeared on the ground. Okay. Maybe as a kid, I ate a bread off the ground. Uh, ben, you're not supposed to do that. Okay, so don't eat anything off the ground. But uh, I've never worn clothes. In fact, if I wear clothes for two or three days, it's worn out. But I can tell you stories of God's faithfulness. Stories where there was worry and saw God's hand move. Or stories where there was worry and the trouble didn't go away, but God gave me just unbelievable peace in the midst of it. And I know you have stories like that too because it's the same God. 
He's not any different. And so we get to come this morning and worship a God through the way we trust Him. Through the way that we face whatever it is we have to face today. Trusting that, God, you're going to be good enough and you're going to help me through this one way or the other. And I don't know how you're going to do that necessarily, but I know you will. So I'm going to walk into it trusting you. And we get to come this morning and remember a God who already paid it, the price for every boneheaded mistake we ever made. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, Jesus promised us this through the the writer of Hebrews. He said, it is impossible, impossible to please God without faith. Or to say it as the scripture said it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't do it. You can't please God without faith. What is faith? Go back to the beginning of Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's not there yet, but there's substance to it. The evidence of things not yet seen. And some days we have to walk into this hope, this substance of things hoped for. It's not there. But our hope is telling us it's there. The evidence of things that we, we can't even see yet, but yet we're trusting that it's there. Because without that, it's impossible to please God. And if that is true, then worry goes away. Then worry is not as a non-issue. And God promises that even when we do, it's not going to do anything good. So just live life, love life, love me. I'm going to help you get through it. So seek me first and my righteousness and all these other things will be added. We get to remember that this morning. There's some scriptures up here as well if you want to take that as you come for communion. But we get to come and we get to worship God this morning through songs. But as you go throughout this week or maybe even just to make it to the end of the day, let's also worship God in the way that we trust him. That we trust God, you are good. And this seems impossible and it seems like I'm going to fail and it seems like everything's going down the tubes. But I trust that your hand is in all of it, God, and that you're good. And that is a way that we worship God. Let's pray. God, you've created us to worship you. And yet, a lot of our life is just filled with anxiety. And we know that worshiping you... One way we can do that is just through trusting that you are who you say you are. That you do what you say you're going to do. And so we're sorry when we worry and think that that's not true. That maybe our mistakes have something to do with what we've done. Instead of knowing that you're good and you've already died for our mistakes. And so we just get to come back to you and seek forgiveness and know that they've been taken care of and repent. And so, God, may we not get on a barter system with you, trying to do our best to please you, God. Because through the redemptive work of Christ, you already look at us as perfect. 
So God, could we spend the rest of our days not trying to please you, but just trusting in you, seeking you first, seeking your righteousness first. God, would you take the anxiety away? Would you fill it with your presence and your peace? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.